0: Class is in session. You're listening to Shit Shooting 101. I'm your host, Joshua Lee. Joining us today, author of Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents, Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders, Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, and Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9 11, and the New World Order. He's turning stones unturned and questioning answers unlearned, bridging bridges that have been burned, taking his turn at discerning fact from fantasy. Here to unravel riddles, demystify mysteries, and till up the truth, host of the podcast William Ramsey Investigates, it's William Ramsey. William, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite.
0: All right. So just jumping right into it because it's awesome having you here and I want to get to a lot of topics. Um. The way that I stumbled across your work is I've been writing a blog, and one of the things, among many other topics that it covers, is the Manson murders. And um, when I'm looking at the crime scene photo of Sharon Tate, of course she has her uh, grin that's going on. She's smiling in death, which is very, uh, very odd to see. And you know, it struck me as, um, you know, very peculiar. And so I started thinking, is this some sort of homage to uh, the Black Dahlia? And then I remember the Black Dahlia um, inspired Joker, played by Heath Ledger, who had a strange young death. And then I started thinking, you know, I was a fan when I was a teenager of Nirvana. They had the yellow smiley face with the X'd out eyes. Of course, Kurt Cobain dies at uh, the age of 27, which is, you know, a common death age for rock stars. By a quote-unquote suicide, which probably was not. And um, the movie Fight Club, of course, Project Mayhem, has its smiley face with the burning eyes. And then um, in that movie, uh, Meatloaf's character is the one that dies in in, uh, one of their um, Project Mayhem events. And, of course, he has his weird COVID-time death. (laughs) So... There's this link that I was noticing, and I stumbled upon your work of the smiley face killers, and I was like, wow, there really is something to this. There's something going on. So uh, would you mind explaining to the folks out there uh, what what is going on? Why? What kind of message are they trying to send out with a smiley face related to these uh, strange deaths, these uh, inexplicable deaths quite often? And um, how far back does this go as far as the symbolism?
1: Well, it got its name because the the original investigators into these types of crimes, the phenomenon of young men disappearing out of bars late at night, only to be found later in water. The two people who investigated this phenomenon were Gilbertson and Gannon. Gannon was an L.A. uh, police officer, and Gilbertson is a professor of criminology. One is in, I think, Minnesota, the other in New York City. Both saw these same or similar crimes, uh, which they thought were not accidental, and I think they're right. And they noticed amongst these deaths, their first book was Case Studies in, in Forensic Drownings. They studied had 14 cases, and in a significant number of those cases, maybe four or five, there was a symbol associated in some way with these disappearances and deaths. Whether it was spray painted on asphalt whether it was showing up on somebody's headstone and so that's how this phenomenon got its name the smiley face killers nobody's really ever been caught as a person who's who's committed this specific crime and I think it's kind of is a perfect crime because these young men disappear late at night when nobody's around later to be found in water so a lot of evidence is is drawn away and it may it makes initially the people think that it's a accidental drowning. But often what's actually consistent in all of these cases is nobody sees him go in the water. That's really very telling to me is that nobody says, oh, I saw him fall in and then he drowned. They just get found in water. So now it's kind of been going on. like there's been like the year, uh, the original kind of one case that they had was in New York City in the late 90s he was a college student at uh, one of the one of the Manhattan uh, universities but and now the, the body count globally because these types of crimes are happening all over the world is probably into 3 to 400 at least over the last two decades so it's a different type of kind of criminality it's inexplicable in a lot of ways but it does the symbol like you said at the intro, curiously is not just associated with these types of crimes. It's all over common culture. And if you look at even some of these new high fashion houses, use this smiley face symbol. It's in Alan Moore's The Watchman, kind of a cultural you know, cartoon, but also kind of modern commentary, 20th century commentary. Like you said in Fight Club, it's actually Palinik's book. Like it actually, his actually book ends with uh, Tyler Jordan shooting himself in the face and making a smiley face. Uh, so it's not the same as in the movie, which came out in 1999. So Palinik, why is he using this symbol? Uh, and like you said, in the Joker motif, goes all the way back to the Joker, Black Dahlia. So why is this smile? It actually goes to Burroughs as well, which is probably why Nirvana carried that smiley face. And uh, Kurt Cobain and Burroughs were in an album together. So what's the hidden meaning of the smiley face? Why is it used and why is it associated with these murders? But uh, the killings are going on. It stopped a little bit after COVID, but there's been a bunch of killings in Houston of this type, Chicago, and there are hot spots all over the related country. Um, Boston, New York, um, across Wisconsin, Madison, and then with cases here and there, there was a hot like uh, flare up in Austin, Texas. Um, so it's it is a very strange form of an event. And I think that's why the police really haven't keyed in on it. Is it's because they don't really understand why so what the motivation would be. And I think that's that's kind of the problem. But then that led to my two documentaries. I started studying it in 2016. I studied a case called Joey Labute out of uh, no, Columbus, Ohio. And so I did a very intensive research, and I, I, the primary researcher in my documentary is a guy by the name of Jim Smith, who I think is the most important public researcher into those cases. So I worked with him. Uh, his research was very important in putting together my first documentary, which came out in 2017. I had really good reviews for that. I'm not a trained uh Documentarian by any stretch of the imagination, but the people could see the pattern, and, and uh, that was smiley face killers who is abducting, torturing, and murdering college age men in the U.S. and U.K. Because I concluded a lot of U.K. cases because it's happening a lot. There's a hot spot in Manchester, Bath, um, some of these other cities, London for sure. But uh, so. I followed that up over COVID. I made a second one called The Smiling Face Killers. The Global Slaughter Continues. And I had cases all over Europe, France, Spain, Italy, similar types of crimes. So it seems like the modern communications is allowing people to kind of exchange ideas, it seems like, criminal ideas. But uh, I studied 120 cases. I did not hit the full – I just didn't have the kind of – stamina to go through every case that is happening in the world. And some people know some. It's incredible because there's stuff Jim has studied that cases he didn't know. Um, and some, so if people send me stuff, uh, which is great being kind of like a public, semi-public researcher. You kind of sink in with other people who are willing to do that research. So I've learned a lot about case Killers. It's still happening. It's definitely a murder to me. These are not kind of accidental drownings. They've been supposedly debunking these things. Uh, not in a very successful way, in my, my opinion. I mean, the problem is, is these are not standard drownings. And some of these bodies, when they find and do the autopsy, they don't have water in their lungs, which is very telling, so they're not drowned. And they, they actually went back through. There's a famous case that I studied in Pittsburgh, PA. His name was Dakota, uh, Dakota James. He was actually the swimmer, to lead, the captain of his swim team, supposedly drowned in the ohio river which is totally unbelievable but that was a, t- a term to be an accidental drowning the family got a second opinion this really guy's amazing person Cyril Wecht, went and did second autopsy and found something that i could find which were uh rope burns around his neck which weren't found in the initial autopsy it was done by some guy from china like a total joke that's really embarrassing i'm embarrassed for um, Pittsburgh authorities actually for hiring that guy, but uh, yeah, so that was something. I mean, so there's a lot of sloppy um, law law enforcement work, in my opinion, and a lot of uh, wanting to shut these cases. There's an over preponderance of homosexuals, so maybe the police are kind of biased against really looking into these things. They don't really view them as like uh, worth police attention. So uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's not being solved. But I think some people have been caught doing similar type of crimes that might have been involved in this type of event. There was a guy in uh, Michigan. His name was Latunsky, who was abducting people and taking him into Well, at least one guy. He's very, his victim was easy to remember because it was the same name as the actor. His name was Kevin Bacon, and he took him and put him in the dungeon and did unspeakable actions of depravity to him but he uh, in my mind looking at his kind of sophistication he wasn't that sophisticated but the fact that he had kind of prepped a um a dungeon a place to keep it and that what he was doing through social media made, leads me to believe that it was not his first victim so uh i think that there's a there's like a weird connection with like the B D S M movement in these cases. So there is a very dark underground, and that's kind of what I keyed into on my first documentary was this video that was called Broken that was associated with Nine Inch Nails, but the director was a guy by the name of Peter Christopherson who was a full time was a you know heavy duty occultist, Love Crow, Alistair Crowley, somebody who I had studied uh, before back in my first book was published in 2010. That was pretty much about Alistair Crowley. And so you see these kind of similar ideas, do it, I will, black magic, uh, immorality, nihilism, post-industrial attitudes. Uh, Peter Christopherson had all those, he was traveling around as a band. I mean, it would be the perfect way to be a person to commit crime is is be involved in a band, band going from city to city. And it is interesting, too, because... The first case I studied, Joey the Butte, disappeared during what's known as the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. It's the biggest bodybuilding um, convention or something like that in the world that happens in Columbus, Ohio. So if somebody's a criminal, they go into town, commit a crime, and leave. Uh, so that's plausible and, and sophisticated. And uh, so, I mean, that's kind of just my general overview of the smiley face killers. It goes in detail. My first film had 88, 80 victims or 88 victims second had 40. And it's just, uh, it's a remarkable kind of true crime story in the sense that a lot of true crime stories are told once somebody gets caught. So then that criminality is exposed. This is something where these crimes are happening without somebody getting caught in my opinion. So, uh, and then there's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it gets pretty deep. Like it led me into kind of my most latest book, most recent book, which is Global Death Call. It led me to my study into what's known as the Order of Nine Angles, whose kind of central intent is to find a uh, victim and kill them and get away with it. So, um, it may have something connected to them, but, uh, you know, that would require further study. Also have to require catching somebody. But, all these uh, characters have some kind of connection to the Smiley Face, whether it's Christopherson or Coyle. He had a band called Coyle. Um, uh, also, uh, his associate who was he was involved in this group called Temple of Psychic Youth with uh, a guy by the name of Genesis P. Orange. So Smiley Face. Also, there's a Smiley Face associated with um, this group of nine angles. so there is a kind of a, ta- a connection t- to alternate lifestyles gay lifestyle and occultism in the smiley face country, in my opinion, according to just my research yeah
0: so <clears throat> it's happening all over the world in real life and uh that suggests some sort of underground cult of some sort and then uh, as you mentioned it's happening in um popular culture as well um, you mentioned Alan Moore. He also wrote V for Vendetta. And um, they wear, they all end up wearing the Guy Fawkes mask that's smiling, um, which is reminiscent of Joaquin Phoenix playing Joker, where uh, towards the end everybody's wearing the Joker's mask. So there's a... And he
1: takes it at the very end. He takes his blood and makes a smiley face on his face, too. Right. So it's all that kind of laughing... Is it some a, sort of I think through tragedy is is a very it's a, it's a important theme.
0: Is I it ritual mockery of some sort?
1: I think it rep the smiley face represents in the occult. So it has an exoteric, esoteric, meaning exoteric. It's just a smiley face, right? But I think it really means to have enjoyment. It's a kind of like uh, archetype of the joker to laugh in the face of tragedy. So people dying, you laugh, right? You tell it's a joke. Just like the comedian, actually, The comedian character in the watchman is kind of like a uh, human representation of that idea. He laughs while he blows people away. And I include that in my first film and, and everything he has is, a, is covered with the smiley face. It's this blood on the smiley face. It's the, the smiley face on his gun and even his name. So if you go look at the attitude, he was like a Vietnam war guy just blew people away and enjoyed doing it so i think that's what the idea of the smiley face is but it also has an even deeper esoteric thing which is the smiley face represents the destruction of kind of the old order and the and the bringing in of the new one so uh, in the occult it's a very potent symbol i think some of these other people in hollywood who wear it around whether it's justin bieber or bieber or some of these others they don't understand it's uh it's deeper meanings at all. I don't think
0: they get it. Um, Didn't Alistair Crowley say, uh, mention an awful lot about uh, laughing at death?
1: Yes. And I include his quote in there too. I think there's a quote in the, in the book of lies, one of his poems about how to, you know, laugh in the face of, uh, take mirth in the face of all these things. So I think that theme is there. It runs through the occult. No question. Yeah. It it goes back even farther into some things that people don't even know. Like they would if I talk about it, they
0: wouldn't even know the reference. Yeah, I I came across did you
1: like a video
0: of that? I came across that book uh when I was looking into the Paul is dead thing of the Beatles because uh in that book, the Book of Lies, uh uh chapter sixteen, the stag beetle, is about death. So I was interested in that correlation. Of course, Alistair Crowley is on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's very influential on in, in uh all the rock stars of that time, um, leading into now. Um, so I'm curious, uh, how is Aleister Crowley involved in 9/11, and um, how what is his influence shaping the new world order as we see it affecting us today?
1: It's a great question. So Aleister Crowley was born 1875, died 1947. He was born in Leamington Spa, kind of uh, near, kind of where. Stratford- Stratford-on-Avon is where Shakespeare was supposed to be born. That's a whole nother story. But he was very... He was an only child. His sister died in childbirth. His family was wealthy. They were involved in brewing and selling food at pubs. So they had uh, independently welding. They were part of a... kind of ex- They were called the Exclusive Brethren. They were a subset of the Plymouth Brethren by uh, Darby, if people know Darby. He was kind of famous for... A disp- dispensationalism, but he grew up, he went to Cambridge, well-educated, but really dedicated his life to occultism. Really, he was enjoyed poetry, mountain climbing, and occultism. That was really his thing from his early age, 20s. And uh, so he really set out to kind of create the, this kind of new world. He wanted to bring in the birth of the child. He wanted to, which he called the Age of Horus, so it would be an Aeonic change from this kind of Christian world that he represented, that he resented, he was a rebel against Christianity, and he wanted to create this new religion. He did create a new religion called Kalima, and aggregated as much uh, esoteric knowledge into that group as he could. He had traveled extensively through India, uh, Southeast Asia, and you know got a lot of knowledge about yoga, Buddhism, and so... Took all that back, and he supposedly had a big event in 1904 where he was dictated to. He had a received book called The Book of the Law. But I think really what attracted or attracts people to him in a variety of things black magic, the concept of do it, thou wilt, which he didn't invent. It actually goes back through the Hellfire Clubs and back to uh, the author of Gargantua and Panticruel. I can't remember his name, who had this kind of. Uh, College of the Lima, College of the Will, and they say Boudras is do without wilt, I think in French. So he integrated that and kind of expanded on that. And I think that the attraction of Crowley after he died in 1947, he left extensive amount of writing. And so people think that he was a person of encyclopedic knowledge and left an encyclopedia of work, too. I don't know if anybody's done a great job of aggregating all of his written material. He certainly didn't do a good job of that. But I think that really what picked up in the 60s, Leary and all these rock bands you mentioned, is the kind of license, do-it-thou-wealth drugs, uh, uh, magical experimentation, sexual uh, libertinism, and uh, really kind of being your own god, what Crowley said. His Libra 77 was Libra Oz, and he said, there is no god but man, and the slave shall serve. So he was also an elitist so he's come came from a very class conscious very you know rigid class system of late 19th century England well, right right at the really the top of the British Empire prior to World War 1 when Britain really in a sense ruled a lot of the earth sun never set on the British Empire so i think his sensibilities were through that he had it was a beneficiary of that too as a wealthy person, so it aided his travel through India and things like that. So he really thought that you know, the peasants should remain peasants. So people say, oh, how did Crowley inv- you know influence 9-11? If you look at 9-11 as, a ma- as an act of magic or black magic, uh, the ideas of Crowley, he wasn't just – a lot of people who haven't studied the occult just call occultists dabblers. It's kind of like a really superficial analysis. So Crowley, I always see the word dabbler. Crowley was not a dabbler. He was the opposite of that. He dedicated his whole life all the way to 47. Uh, and this was something that contradicted a lot of these kind of superficial, shallow researchers into Crowley, is that he really was dedicated, but he wanted political change too. He was I was clearly an asset of the British Empire. Uh, from beginning of before MI5 or MI6, it was called this secret intelligence service so he was probably an asset from right when he left college and i think he wanted to make this change so he wanted to i mean i think that there was political change he had a political agenda it was a satanic luciferian agenda but it was still political and so nine eleven was 2001 right so if you go back and look through crowley's kind of thing and even the numbers of magic the real primary number of Crowley's system is 11 and it comes out of the Golden Dawn. He was part of this magical fraternity, of post-Masonic. So people had already gone through all of the steps of masonry and joined the Golden Dawn. And uh, he was there with other kind of luminaries, William Butler, Butler Yeats and uh, some other famous actors. And he was well-connected. He actually had a lot of friends in the kind of upper class there, Somerset Maugham, other people who were known, H., uh, Fuller, so all these other characters. But 11 is very important. So if you look through the Book of the Law, it says there are no other, you shall know them by the number 11. Do it that once. Well, it shall be the whole of the Law's 11 letters, 11 syllables. The Coming together of the pentagram and the hexagram is an 11, so you get a 5 and a 6, which is the macrocosm, microcosm. And then the number 11 is associated with a lot of darkness, according to people in the Golden Dawn. So it seemed like a perfect number with a lot of different meanings and power. Uh, so anyway, that that would be his number. So if you look through the events of 9/11, 9-11 was the day it happened. And in the Kabbalah, you kind of cross over. I just learned this recently. You cross over the number ten, which is the number of God. You go to eleven. So nine eleven symbolizes Kabbalah kind of magic. And then the first plane to hit the uh, twin towers was flight eleven. So if you were a person who had a magical worldview and you wanted to make change in conformance with your will, which is the axiom of magic, uh, 9-11 put together that way would make that to whatever you wanted to do. If you look at the, the aftermath of 9-11, it really was almost like what happened in COVID. Push the money upwards, send the peasants out, create a new world order. Um, and there are other numbers associated with Crowley as well. In the, in the events of 9-11. 93 was a huge Crowley number, Libra 77, like I earlier mentioned. And 175 is kind of a giveaway because that's one of Crowley, Crowley's magical workings where you would, you know, you give fealty to the god you adore. And adore is kind of an interesting word. You'll see that in the common culture of uh, Luciferian worship. So, 93 represents the Lima and Agape. They're both Greek terms meaning Will and love. And so you see, do what thou wilt, love under law, love under will. These things add up to 93. And in the Kabbalah where you take in gematria, which is a subset of the Kabbalah, where words have numerical values. So Crowley would sign his, and his followers took this up. He would sign his missives 93, 93, 93, which is a shorthand for love under law, love under will. So these are all kind of indicators. And the, but it's it's important to see Crowley not as just a occultist, but as somebody in you know making change in the world according to their will, and that makes more sense if somebody's sophisticated and has been initiated uh, to understand what's going on. And we can get into the deeper things, but a lot of structured events are structured in ways to have. Nine Eleven had intent all the way through its deception, right? Make change in the United States, uh, fix the financial system, pass the Patriot Act. Right. So there's clearly somebody has gone through some kind of blueprint for this institute, you know, institution. And then look at the aftermath who benefited, just benefited the old ultra wealthy. Uh, so it would be right in line with the kind of Crowley's thinking. So I think that his ideas are still involved in the new world order. And then you see this in Davos right now. It's just super, like, Davos is even, like, a rarefied element within a rarefied city, uh, country of Switzerland where the super rich hang out and are making decisions for the rest of us. Because the slave shall serve. They must serve. You know, it's that's kind of the whole thing. And then I quote a lot of Crowley in my first book, The Prophet of Evil, where he talks about, we shall give them the quiet wisdom of the cattle. We shall live off their... Mutton. We shall shear them at our will, and that's it. That's his attitude towards the average person. So, I think that they we're really in a neo feudalism. The world economic forum, uh, world economic forum, which is meeting right now, is really uh, wants to maintain a new neo feudalism and kill off as many people as possible. So you can see this that the. There's too much uniformity in changes that happened under COVID and also this whole new climate scan, which is total joke. It's anybody with two brain cells can figure out it's totally. It's just complete nonsense. And the only people that's going to benefit is uh, bums like Gore and Kerry. So they really have to get you to think Putin is the Hitler while they're fleecing you. Uh, I think that's really what's important. And then, I mean, we can get into Ukraine and how much of a money laundering off that is. But, I mean, they installed Zelensky, so he's not some kind of independent person. It's just another big scam. <clears throat> so, anyway, Crowley influenced new, numerologically. But I think that there's a spiritual uh, subtext to the New World Order. And uh, kind of that's why I titled my first book, Alistair Crowley, Nine Eleven, and New World Order, because it all fits together. And I think I summarized that. I actually wrote in 2010 that they would use kind of uh, shots or what vaccines is like a, a means to push forward their agenda. And uh, so, amongst other things, climate, climate nonsense, climate lies. The climate's been changing since the beginning of time. So it's just a bunch of nonsense. It's so stupid. Like only, only uh, global people believe that. But uh,
0: Manley P. Hall and Rudolph Steiner seem to be aware of the injections that were going to be rolling out in the future. Interesting. So they preached against that. Um,
1: well, I mean, here's the thing is, that I don't think that this is the first time they've done it. This is this is just some time where the public's become more aware of it. But I think that these the entire vaccine agenda has done negative things, incredible damages and this was just really overt when people dropped dead, but I think that you can tie in, and I think Robert—I give credit to Robert F. Kennedy, Childhood Defense Fund—to show the correlation between um, the vaccine schedule and what we call autism, which is basically frying your nervous system, uh, brain. I mean, these people have different brain functioning, uh, so it's very malevolent. They're killing, hurting kids. They're killing children now. So these are child killers, and uh, you got to really be careful. with You can't trust any of these people to, for medical advice anymore. They could, they're more likely to kill you. The death protocol. You could end up in, in a hospital and put on a respirator, and you're dead. And they make fifty thousand bucks. Uh, there's all kinds of perverse incentives under Biden, who's an insta- installed uh, president. To uh, he did not get eighty one million votes. That's a total joke. That's another like whopper, like climate change. <laughs> like. He didn't even uh, campaign in the last week and nobody even likes him. So the giveaway is like social media where Trump has 80 million followers on Twitter and Biden can only like cough up 20 million. So you're in kind of like the Wizard of Oz land. But, uh, yeah, I think um, my point is, is that the whole vaccine schedule is super dangerous and and a lot of people have been hurt by that. So and I think that's part of the, the larger just one segment of the overarching agenda of depopulation and uh, total control. They really want. They, these are very greedy people who can't fill their coffers enough with enough money, and they want to. They like the. They like the feudal system. They want. They want you to be slaves, and then kill you off. I think that's really kind of the final power trip. Is really not only to control people and mind rape them uh, through all kinds of mind control techniques and propaganda, but then kill them off. I think that's kind of, that's where we're at is the the final end of like the cults and stuff like that, where people manipulate people. They just kill, whether it's Jim Jones or Marshall Applewhite, the way it, or whatever his name was, Applewhite is to uh, kill them off. So that's where we're at.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of smiling through death, that's what uh, Fauci and Gates does all the time. And then you mentioned Zelensky; He was a comedic actor, and he's smiling through all that death, smiling all the way to the bank. Um, so that Crazy. theme runs through there as well. Uh, Al- Alistair Crowley, uh, Crowley. always want to say Crowley because of Ozzy Osbourne's song, how he pronounces it.
1: Uh, that's what I used to say. But uh, it's interesting, his... Uh, Crowley's poem, The Winged Beetle, is his own poem that rhymes cruelly with holy. So mm. I think it's cruelly, yeah.
0: Cruelly, okay. I,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so he mentions uh, the Rosy Cross quite often. So he was a Rosicrucian, correct? Or
1: one, among many
0: the, things, yeah.
1: I don't think there was any occult order that he wasn't a part of. He said he went through masonry. There's very little proof of his Masonic connections but he said he went through it um in mexico city oto these are kind of uh, golden dawn he started his own thing the aa but he was very well read and he understood a lot he was an admirer of blavatsky he included one of her i think it's kind of like the voice in the silence one of her books in his corpus now one now
0: why like did that. he accuse her of being jack the ripper <laughs> at one point
1: i don't think he did I don't. I don't. I never I, came across that.
0: I read that somewhere. Uh, he said that she was the one that was abducting people for some of her uh, ritual sacrifices.
1: No, I missed that. I, I do know that he had. Um, he said he had the ties that the Ripper had. So he had something. He stated direct ties to Jack the Ripper mm. in his kind of belongings. But I don't know if the timing is right. When was the Ripper? Wasn't it? in 19, uh, 1880s. Is that right?
0: I'm not exactly certain. I can't even remember the source that I read it from, so it might not have been uh, very reliable.
1: But you never know. I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I've, I've done a substantial amount of reading on Crowley, his original texts, his biography. Um, so uh, I, I never, I don't recall any of that. Any, any connection between him stating a connection between Lavatsky and uh, Ripper. Right. Um,
0: well, they's, they've accused everybody of being Jack the Ripper. Uh, I think I was accused yeah, so the at Ripper one point.
1: Or was 1888?
0: Yeah, 1888. Okay. Um, so uh, the Rosicrucians—that's uh, where a lot of our uh, transhumanism comes from. Um, they had the belief that they wanted to. Um, uh, to extract the soul from the body and place it in machinery so that it could be immortal. Um, and I see, uh, Rosie, I see the Rosy Cross come up in a lot of our false flag events. Um, well, of course, I could cheat and say Red Cross is symbolic of that, but that does crop up in some very weird uh, patterns as well. Um, and you'll see rose symbolism quite often and. Of course, Rosicrucianism goes back to Francis Bacon, um, who may have been the real Shakespeare. I think uh, it it was uh, ghost writers by committee. Myself.
1: Yeah, me too. I think yeah, I think the best I did uh, show was Robert Alexander. The hidden life is best, and I think that the king supported Bacon. Bacon got a group like the Invisible College, and they had themes and they put it together, and he. You know, made sure everything made sense at the end of the day and just put them out there to kind of enrich the uh, British Empire and in, in kind of uh, as a uh, counterweight toward the, the intellectual heft of France. So I think that was really the intent. And then play it off on this front guy, Shakespeare. You know, Athena Shakespeare. It's like too uh, remarkable to have this kind of classical tie in and then the guy's name. And there's very little known about who William Shakespeare is. It's just his stamp on, uh, you know, a bunch of paper. So I, I think that, I think it was written by a committee, just like you said. But with with the assent and oversight of the the crown, and supported it. So they might have paid for it, or just made sure that things were set aside and got the best of everybody at the time. And then they just said, "Make it note the silence," and we're putting this out, and that was it. And
0: John D's name is wrapped up in that. And he was like Crowley before Crowley.
1: Agreed. He was really, he was much like him, a scryer. And Crowley did a lot of his stuff. He actually scried and did the Aether just like D did. Uh, He had, it was D and uh, Kelly. And Crowley had this guy, Newberg, and they went to Algeria in a place called Boudsada and did a bunch of stuff. and... Did all the aethers and there's actually recordings of Crowley doing these aethers you know and using the Enochian magic
0: so uh there's this theme that runs from clear back then of these um these agents that are occultists and they're manipulating uh the world stage in a very Shakespearean way um do you see anybody that you would point to and say they remind you of Crowley and his work today
1: well, I think or did they go there's a, in hiding? <laughs> I think, well, there's some that are obviously, uh, kind of public, right? You know, like I've done studies on the West Memphis three, Damien Eccles, clearly he admires Crowley, probably sees himself as an heir of Crowley. A lot of the higher kind of occultists want to carry on the tradition of whether it's Leary or anything or Elrond Hubbard or things like that. So that's not that unusual. Um, so I think that he's really a public one. I think some of these Intel operations are done by kind of black magician type people. And I think that it's interesting because they use in Intel, they use the term called or magical practice. So these are operations. So I think that it's no surprise that there's an overlap or double helix of occultism within the Intel. A lot of these Intel guys have gone through skull and bones or one of these other secret societies at Yale or Masons, a lot of Masons. So I think that, uh, the tradition kind of like, like carrying on Crowley's tradition is, is not unusual with some of these politics politicians. Yeah.
0: Um, one subject that I wanted to move on to, it's uh, something that I didn't really look at at the time and I need to get caught up on it, even though, um, everybody else has seemed to move, to have moved away from it, except for you, uh, the Balenciaga scandal, um, because I heard you discussing that on your podcast. Um, so. Was it? uh, Did it just start with that one ad campaign, or was there anything that occurred before that? Is it still occurring now? Because nobody's talking about it anymore.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that just kind of the Balenciaga shocked people because there were little children in there. I think that's really the most shocking thing: is the kids in the BDSM. And a lot of people said it was pedophilia, which I think is correct. But I, in my title, it was. Balenciaga, it's not just pedophilia, it's Satanism. You can see all of the symbols of Satanism, Satanic practice and occultism throughout a lot of those pictures. And the real question is, is how long has that been around? And how many people in the fashion world are doing that? And I think that Balenciaga is just one who got caught, but you can see these other big fashion houses and some of these other designers, they're getting ideas from each other. So do you see this same kind of They're very dark, very dark stuff, like you see Abramovich pop up. A guy was in Balenciaga, which is incredible. Both Genesis B. Orange and Michael Aquino showed up in some of their social media. So what are the other houses? Like, I can't think of them all offhand, but I think there was, like, some of these other people found similar things in some of these houses doing the same kind of symbolism and dark practices and uh, yeah, so how long that's been around, I don't know if it's been around. I, I would have probably noticed it earlier, but it seems like that that kind of black magic type stuff seems to res, uh, resonate with the the purchasers of the haute couture or whatever, high fashion items, you know. Um. So and, and Kanye West and his wife are just uh, neck deep in all that stuff, too.
0: So what is that about... your
1: ex-wife. Oh.
0: Is there uh, some sort of occultic symbolism to the black thing they're wearing over their faces?
1: I don't know. I don't know if just that, but there's some of that stuff looks very similar to magical cloaks that I've seen. I've saw that Orbsman guy and I've seen overlaps between heavy duty neo-pagan stuff and the stuff that they're putting into his stuff, his material. So whether that mask is some kind of a, thing i don't know i'm still learning like there was one thing that was in you know i just learned about like eating human flesh and things like they're having references to that which is really intense um but i don't some of the specifics didn't come up but i saw the smiley face i saw the crow which is symbol of magic i saw the black dragon i saw you know the the moon phases which are important to like wicca uh so then there's a lot rainbow over the rainbow child torture you know like trauma influencing a lot of that stuff is there they did a whole thing on i think it was on balenciaga did a whole thing on shining which the subtext is pedophilia and uh disassociation mind control right because the little kid disassociates and is talking to his little friend and has magical powers and the subtext is that the father was raping, uh, was raping the son. And then there's the whole, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that movie too. Like, uh, and it goes to show how, how astute Kubrick was. He knew a lot. He was, uh, very, very, he was kind of like, I think he was really a research hound before the internet. I think he knew a lot was going on. And I think that's re- reflected in Eyes Wide Shut.
0: Do you think he was killed because From of that? The Eyes
1: Wide Shut, we know. It's a good question. He was not a spring chicken. And I think that was the longest shoot of any film. So he had been shooting that for like a year. He thought it was his best film. So it wouldn't surprise me that he just got worn out and died apart. You know, that's what happens. You know, you get worn out on these long shoots, exhausting shoots. So maybe
0: well, that's a good alibi,
1: though. <laughs> sure it is. And I the missing scene. Is, yeah, the missing scenes. I think that. You know, the story is he showed it to execs, they freaked out, and then they re-edited it, and then he died. I think he died, like, within five a week of showing his cut to the execs. So, you know, it wouldn't be the first time these execs went ballistic. Uh, I did a whole thing, a guy who actually knew Crowley, too, this movie Performance, they went ballistic. And his career kind of got uh, derailed and stuff like that his name was um oh gosh i can't remember right now but he literally actually sat on cruelly's knee so his, his dad knew cruelly personally as a friend and wrote a bio about him but uh yeah i don't know i don't know you know i think he died i think kubrick died at 72 so he wasn't like you know he wasn't young and
0: yeah, he didn't seem to keep himself in the best shape either
1: He's a smoker, he's a chain smoker, you know. You could just look at these old pictures of himself. He did not look healthy. He had dark bags under his eyes. I mean
0: So when did uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye get involved with Balenciaga? Was that around the same question. time as the scandal or after?
1: There is there Kanye West is showing close. Kanye has kind of like a high fashion Sensibility, his lines and yay and all that stuff, Yeezy. So I think he does a lot of that stuff himself. He has his own high fashion lines. But he, I have a video of him in like August of twenty or August or September of twenty twenty two showing fashion in a Balenciaga show. So he wasn't. He this is fairly recent. This is before you know he started you know talking s about Jews, but uh, so he was in there. There's pictures of him with other uh, other fashion designers. This guy Tedeschi, teshi whose who's hero is Abramovich, so she keeps popping up all over the place. Um, but he knows he's much more astute in the occult than he likes to. He had this Christian change, but at one point he was deep in that stuff with Jay Z and hanging out with uh, Alejandro Yodorowski. Donald Camel is the guy's name who I forgot who was the director and writer of performance, pretty much a stone cold occultist. But you can look up some of these names, like you keep, it's incredible how many, I wrote a book in 2014 titled Children of the Beast. And I included all these people who were influenced by Crowley. And some of them, it was, uh, I talked about Genesis Bjorg. And I talked about Alejandro Yodorowski, And I talked about uh, some of these other characters and, and there they are. They all show up in this fashion world. It's so crazy. So, and then the, Alejandro Jodorowsky writes about drinking human blood and liking it. Like that's the kind of person he was. And he was into alchemy and things like that. He actually officiated the wedding of Marilyn Manson. So these guys are heavy, and that's he's hanging out with a Kanye West. And you'll see them together sometimes he's uh, there's pictures of him and his wife wearing black and white so it's alchemical right and you'll see that in the valenciaga pictures as well so they're manifesting these kind of uh you know oppositional colors and things like that intentionally i think
0: so uh satanism involving children um i can't go down this route without bringing up pizzagate because uh That still hasn't been investigated, still hasn't been resolved, and nobody wants to talk about it anymore. Um, Even a lot of people in the conspiracy community are saying that it was a Republican smear campaign, or that'd be the most elaborate smear campaign in the history of smear campaigns, times a million. Um, And, you know, they'll say that it's uh, a PSYOP. Well, yeah, it's a PSYOP. The PSYOP was the cover-up. The PSYOP was... Uh, the damage control once that got released, in my opinion. Um, so what are your opinions on Pizzagate and what is the deal with the pizza symbolism? Does that have any ties to the occult? Because, um, wasn't the pizza on one of the Illuminati cards?
1: Yes, it was. I think it was a deep, uh, child pedophilia symbol. I think it was involved with that and hot dogs and all these things that people. <laughs> On that side, noon, ping pong as well, which has a tie to Kubrick. And these guys use the ping pong term. Uh, so comet ping pong, right? And which had the outside, it had the black and white, just like I was talking about, uh, black and white alchemical moons. So there's a lot of sketchy stuff. But if, if that was supposedly a right wing smear, these guys set themselves up on their Instagram accounts by saying super suspicious stuff and really suspicious Uh, Pictures of kids being taped up and weird pictures of people in like ritual stuff. And then you looked into James Elephantis and his sketchy background. He was one of the top 50 most powerful people in D.C. running a pizza restaurant. Like, how does that compute? Like, oh, Joe, Joe Blow is making pizzas. And he's also so he was networked, in my opinion. His best his, uh, gay lover was this guy, Brock, from Media Matters, who's still important. They're just like a like a Rottweiler of the left going after people. So I think that there's damage control, just like you said. And they brought up, I mean, really what people did is they looked through the Podesta emails, which led back to the spirit cooking of Abramovich, and then it led to Comet Ping Pong. So it went through what it looks like Seth rich to Podesta to this this suspicious activity of a bunch of it wasn't like a Christian get together, that's for sure of like weird bands and weird people with weird symbolism at common ping- pong is a kind of a Nexus point uh, very in my opinion very sketchy and I think people uh recognizes as touch and there's such and there's weird terminology in the Podesta uh Emails like maps. I have a map and a handkerchief and there's weird things in those screenshotted Instagram accounts where they're talking about Haitian sauce and, you know, just stuff that doesn't make sense. It's like when you start seeing people talking in code, like they're part of the mob or something like that, you got to ask questions or people ask questions, especially when these are people, the most powerful people in the United States. I mean, the desk ran, clinton's campaign right in 2016 so those were very strange days and i think that just the blood i mean you can go watch abramovich do her spirit cooking you can see the 666s and the symbol magical symbols she knows a lot she's a witch so all that all that did like people were saying like, this is pre-q right right so people are saying at that time i believe these people are devil worshipers or satanists not a lot of proof but then you looked at that and you went Oh, they really are into spirit cooking. They are going to weird things. She's pouring like blood stuff over a picture of a kid. I mean, really heavy stuff. There's videos of her doing hardcore sex magic. It, I'm sure that those have been taken off the inter, internet now, but she, she's wicked, man. She's done really heavy duty stuff. So the people who are, are promoting her and she did that Microsoft ad, like after what I've seen, I'm like, wow.
0: These guys are and those those spirit that. cooking pictures if
1: we're talking about major- yeah
0: if they if that's what they do in the in front of cameras, what's going on in that back room i mean if if there's a store with a cake shaped like a baby and it's cut open with bloody bloody innards I'm not shopping in that store. I can tell you that right now, maybe I'm just weird like that, I don't know. I looked up uh, James Alephaus on Wikipedia today. It says not one thing about Pizza <laughs> um there was he one was thing
1: involved ever yeah I remember him going on TV and making a general denial and you know all this stuff but he well, he was internationally based too. He had a kind of a restaurant he was associated with in Berlin. there were kind of art he was in the art world he was in the cooking world there were uh, my understanding is art was being shipped all around the world i mean that's a known kind of way to make investments and things like that tax reinvestments so there's a lot more to that story people got people got dissuaded you know because they got mocked about it or called conspiracy theorists but just looking at the evidence that was there that they presented people didn't make that up they put that in that's john that's john podesta's emails there's actually a Thelema in those emails too and those are Alephantis' Instagram accounts. And then they, people traced through the Instagram accounts that followed him and found even more sketchy stuff. So,
0: um, What do you mean there was Thelema in the email?
1: So, like I said earlier, Crowley's religion was called Thelema, right? Right. So based on Will. And there's an email. You can just go check out, go to WikiLeaks. I think it's up somewhere. Just type in Thelema. And somebody's talking to Podesta going, you know, I want you to give me a thelema or something like that. In a strange context. Hmm. But it, uh, that so it's kind of an off it's not a common term used in common parlance. So the right. fact that it's in there is very telling, yeah.
0: Hmm. So I wonder what that code means. Yeah. Um, yeah and
1: that was pre that was pre uh, you gotta remember that was pre-Epstein breaking that story. So people went back. Actually, somebody looked at some of the pizza stuff. And uh, like the guy, let's see, who was it, Ezekiel, uh, one of the guys who's involved in John and uh, Biden's kind of COVID rollout was hanging out there. And then also Hunter Biden was at an, uh, an event at Common Ping Pong, too. So people didn't know. And, you know, you can go through his laptop and that's just a that's a hair raising experience in itself. So uh, what's his name? Ezekiel. Oh, it'll come to me. I can't remember. I'm not sure.
0: Uh, When I looked up James Ella I didn't know this, but he was in some small movie called automatic or no, he produced it automatic at sea involved.
1: Yeah. I remember that. I thought he did one too called chapel perilous. Do you ever hear that? Remember that?
0: No, I'm That's just going by what was on there today.
1: Ezekiel Emanuel. That's hmm. his, that was his name. He's all he's all his ideas were like we got to kill off people off like we should have death panels and put people to death. Right. So, he's a real charmer. Right.
0: Yeah, and uh people want to discount the whole uh you know uh Obama ordering, I don't, I can't remember how many, how many tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of pizza hot dogs, f- yeah. uh, hot dogs flown in. Um, so you're telling me the White House is going to fly in hot dogs. Um, and you have the world's best chefs there in house. It uh, nothing about that makes sense other than it being a code. So at the very least, people have to admit that the, these, uh, the using hot dogs and pizza and walnut sauce, it has to be code. And why would they use code unless it's something uh, unlawful? Because this is uh, private, government-protected emails. So they don't expect it to be broken by anybody, and yet they're still talking secretly. So it tells you that it's very unlawful. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you're thinking, you're analyzing it. That was actually my if my memory serves me. It's been a while. It's been five years. But I think that that series, that statement by an you know, Obama was from a different set of leaked emails. It wasn't from the Podesta emails from the Series 7 or some other thing, which correlates to a different leak. Right. The, right. Obama, the Podesta leaks and the Obama still using those weird code code words. And I think it's a lot, says a lot about the left, the how much they've become like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think so, the traditional liberal left is very different from the really amoral, uh, drag show, sexualized kids left. But I think that the head of the the left now, Obama, Podesta, in my opinion, they're on board with that concept.
0: Yeah. And, um, Biden gifted Obama a bracelet with a pizza charm on it. And you can actually find, I don't know if you can now, but back in the day, you could find images of them wearing these bracelets on stage with the pizza charm.
1: It's not just a pizza, pizza charm, too, though. What, do you remember the other charms? I don't. Smiley face. Oh, was there? And then, the, mm-hmm. mm. and then the other one was the kind of uh, young girl. Pedal charm where it's a flower with a flower and a flower inside the flower that comes straight out of the FBI.
0: Oh, wow. Very interesting.
1: Very curious. Yeah.
0: I heard somebody say recently that it's not on the FBI's website. I don't know if they've taken it down, but I know it was because I looked it up when I first heard it. It was right there on the FBI's website. So they probably was taking that down, but, um, it's probably not relevant now because they would have changed all of their code words by now. I would assume because, uh, you know, it was pizza. And now you look at, um, there, I was, uh, doing a blog and it took me all over the place. Cause I went down a million different rabbit holes, but I found out and people may know this, but I didn't know it at the time that there's such a thing as these grown men who watch, uh, the show, my little ponies and they're obsessed with it. They call themselves bronies. And then, uh, the, like, uh, the direct or not directors, but producers, uh, have been in trouble for pedophilia. One of them. Um, and then there's one new, newer show of my little pony where, uh, I don't know if it was the, the artist that was in charge of it, that she's, uh, Involved in Satanism and stuff and she's doing a children's program and there's all this, uh, pedophilia stuff, uh, encircling that. So it just seems like it just, uh, bounces from one thing to the next. And yeah, so if it's not pizza now, it's going to be something because we're not really taking these people down. And if, if everybody just, uh takes uh the media bait and says you're a crazy conspiracy theorist for even looking into this then uh, we'll never get to the bottom of it
1: almost all those people in the mass media are people who are friends with these type of people exactly so yeah there's no reason to watch anybody on TV I mean at this point it's just, they're just it's pure mind control propaganda weaponizing is or so no there's not it's not even worth commenting they're deliberately deceiving lying people omitting facts that could save their lives. Literally. I mean, you can see that through COVID the fact that they were manipulated by outside forces into making people take an unnecessary shot instead of taking ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine tells you everything they want you dead. They're literally your enemy inside your country. You don't have, I mean, the notion that we have enemies outside the U S is preposterous considering how many able people are inside the U S now.
0: Yeah. Um, it's been maybe a year or two ago, my sister came down with whatever it is that they're calling COVID. Um, You know, I don't want to get into that debate of viruses or whatever the hell that thing is, but she, she was sick with something and um, her doctor prescribed her ivermectin and she went all over uh, God's green earth looking for a pharmacy that would f- uh, fill her prescription. None of them would. They all tried to talk her into getting a change to remdesivir. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Of course she was smart enough not to do that. Thank God.
1: It's a killer. Remdesivir. They knew, they know remdesivir kills like half the people and leaves them injured or wounded, or you have your, your uh, kidneys don't longer function. It's a killer. I've known people. Let's see. Two or three people offhand whose family members were killed by Remdesivir. So mm. I think the intent to kill is definitely there. I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not exaggerating.
0: No, it's a death. Call. The fact that
1: you couldn't get out of it. Yeah, it's a death. Call. They're murdered. They've murdered so many and made families so miserable. These people, Fauci and Ezekiel Emanuel and Biden. Like Biden's in on it. So uh, don't be naive. Like this is all some big fascistic. Cartel cartelized structure to kill all kill you off. So the enemy is is already through the gates. Yeah, no question.
0: Like John Lennon's song where he says, uh, But first, you must learn how to smile as you kill. Um, So uh, I'll let you the
1: working man's, yeah, what's that song? Working
0: working class hero.
1: Working class hero. Yeah. Um, Well, I, I think the sad truth is in like my. Research. It's not a, a people have called me a conspiracy theorist, but almost everything I have researched leads back to an evil, corrupt elite making everybody else miserable and making money off it. Like literally, like that's it's it's really just a corrupt elite that maybe wasn't as corrupt in the past. but has definitely become malevolent, occulted and uh, parasitic, really flat out.
0: All right. So. And uh, those hidden hands of yesterday are now uh, the fanged face that's uh, out in the open now. So in a way, that's a good thing. Because at least we can see it to snatch it out of the darkness.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, these are criminals. You're, the country's run by criminals. Yeah, so.
0: um, criminals and demons, whatever you want to call them.
1: Well, I use this picture, I use this quote from Shakespeare or Bacon or whatever it says. It's from uh, The Tempest. Hell is empty and all the devils are here.
0: So. All right, Exactly. And the occultists, they see the earth as the devil's playground where, uh, you know, it's all designed for illusion and manipulation. Um, and they love their trickster gods, don't they? Yeah, they do. So, uh, William, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'll let you uh, wrap this up however you want to do so.
1: Well, you can see all my work. I've done over 800 episodes on my podcast. You can check that out at William Ramsey Investigates. If you have time, give me a five-star review. I'd appreciate it. Um, I've done five documentaries you can see on Vimeo on a lot of the subjects we talked about. Colt Hollywood, Smiley Face Killers, Children of the Beast, of Evil. I have five books as well. You can buy it at my website, William Ramsey Investigates, or on uh, Amazon. And I'm still just kind of researching, and I've done, I think I've done 28 shows on the bioweapon. So you can watch all of them at my Rockfin channel on William Ramsey.
0: All right, William. Well, I love the podcast. I love the work you're doing, the documentaries, the books. Uh, great stuff. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks great, for thank coming you. on.
1: Josh, great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite.
0: All right. You take
1: care. All right. You
0: too. The faces of the shadow workers come masked and mocking. Oh, how proud they are of their cloaks, veils, and curtains. Hide and seek is their game of skill. Casting shade over seeking eyes is their mastery. They are sorcerers of deception. They are the servants of Knox. Yet they leave a trail of clues, calling cards, and smudged fingerprints. They want you to know where they've been and what they've done, but you must play the game, on their board, with their pieces, by their rules. Or so they influence us to believe and partake in our rigged defeat. However, cloaks are made to be uncloaked, veils unveiled, and curtains pulled back to reveal the culprits in their crimes. Their game boards must be overturned, their pieces toppled, their rules broken, and their games ended. We must wipe the smiles from their faces. We can no longer be the butt of their joke. We must have the last laugh, in lasting love, living life, in losing shadows of the devil's pranksters. Love, peace, happiness. Signing off. Deuces.